Section forty two of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk. Part forty two. Out of some fourscore such habitations, continues my informant, I have only found two which had any sort of garden, and I'm happy to add that in neither of these two was there a single case of cholera. In the others, however, the pestilence raged with terrible fury. Of all the houses of this sort, the best I know is the one, note previously referred to, end note, in Orchard Street, Westminster, and another in Seven Dials, kept by a Mr. Mann, formerly a wealthy butcher. Cleanliness is inscribed on every wall of the house. Utensils of every kind are in abundance, with a plentiful supply of water and gas. The beds do not exceed five in a room, and they are changed every week. There is not one disorderly lodger, and although the master has sustained heavy losses, ill health, and much domestic affliction, himself and his house may be regarded as patterns of what is wanted for the London poor. As there is a sad similarity between these abodes, so there is a sort of caste belonging in general to the inmates. Of them it may be averred that whatever their pursuits, they are more or less alike in their views of men and manners. They hate the aristocracy. Whenever there is a rumour or an announcement of an addition to the royal family, and the news reaches the padding ken, the kitchen, for half an hour, becomes the scene of uproar. Another expense coming on the B-blank-Y country. The patras are very fond of the Earl of Carlisle, whom in their attachment they still call Lord Morpeth. They've read many of his lordship's speeches at soirees and so on, and they think he wishes well to a poor man. Sir James Graham had better not show face among them. They have an idea, whence derived we know not, that this nobleman invented fourpenny pieces, and now they say the swells give a joey where they used to give a tanner. The hero of Waterloo is not much amiss if he lets politics alone. The name of a bishop is but another name for a Beelzebub, but they are very fond of the inferior clergy. Lay agents and tract distributors they cannot bear. They think their spies come to see how much scran food they have got and then they go and pison the minds of the public against poor people. I was once, says our informant, in a house of this kind in George Street, St. Giles's. The missionary who visited them on that occasion, Sunday afternoon, had the misfortune to be suspected as the author of some recent exposure in the newspapers. They accused him, and he rebutted the accusations. They replied, and he rejoined. At last one of the men said, "'What do you want poking your nose in here for?' the city mission was the answer had authorized blank authorized be d blank d are you ordained no not yet friend the women then tore the poor gentleman's nether garments in a way i must not describe the men carried him into the yard filled his mouth with flour of mustard and then put him in a water butt it is i am satisfied quite a mistake to suppose that there is much real infidelity among these outcast beings they almost all believe in a hereafter. Most of them think that the wicked will be punished for a few years, and then the whole universe of people be embraced in the arms of one great forgiving father. Some of them think that the wicked will not rise at all, the punishment of losing heaven being, as they say, hell enough for anybody. Points of doctrine they seldom meddle with. There are comparatively few dissenters to be found in Padding Kens, though many whose parents were dissenters. My own opinion writes my informant, is that dissent seldom lasts long in one family. In eight years' experience I have found two hundred apparently pious men and women, 
and at least two thousand who call themselves protestants but never go to any church or chapel the politics of these classes are perhaps for the most part liberal tory in most lodging-houses they take one or two papers the weekly dispatch and bell's weekly messenger are the two usually taken i know of no exception to this rule the beggars hate a whig ministry and i know that many a tear was shed in the hovels and cellars of london when sir robert peel died i know a publican in westminster whose daily receipts are enormous and whose only customers are soldiers thieves and prostitutes who closed his house the day of the funeral and put himself his family and even his beer machines and gas pipes into mourning for the departed statesman the pattering fraternity that i write of are generally much given to intemperance their amusements are the theatre the free and easy the skittle ground and sometimes cards and dominoes they read some light works and some of them subscribe to libraries and a few very few attend lectures eliza cook is a favourite writer with them and captain marriott the top sawyer as a novelist ainsworth is the idol of another class when they can read mr dickens was a favourite but he's gone down sadly in the scale since his household words came it so strong against the begging letter department these poor creatures seldom rise in society they make no effort to extricate themselves while by others they are unpitied because unknown to this rule however there are some happy and honourable exceptions taken as a body patterers lurkers and so on are by no means quick-sighted as to the sanctions of moral obligation they would join the hue and cry against the persecutors of jane wilbrid but a promiscuous robbery even accompanied by murder if it was got up clever and done clean so long as the parties escaped detection might call forth the remark that there was no great harm done and perhaps some would applaud the perpetrators before quitting this part of my subject namely the character habits and opinions of all classes of patterers i will give an account of the pretended missionary proceedings of a man well known to the vagrant fraternity as chelsea george i received the following narrative from the gentleman whose statements i have given previously the scheme was concocted in a low lodging-house after a career of incessant lurking and deceit chelsea george left england and remained abroad writes my informant four or five years exposure to the sun and allowing his beard to grow a prodigious length gave him the appearance of a foreigner he had picked up enough french and italian with a little dutch and german and a smattering of spanish to enable him to hail for any part of the globe and from the designed inarticulateness with which he spoke sometimes four languages in one sentence added to his sunburnt and grotesque appearance it was difficult to pull him upon any racket note detect him in any pretense end note so that the most incredulous though often previously imposed upon gave credence to his story relief to his supposed necessities and sometimes letters of introduction to their friends and neighbours some time after his return to england and while pursuing the course of a high flyer note genteel beggar end note he met with an interruption to his pursuits which induced him to alter his plan without altering his behaviour the newspapers of the district where he was then located had raised before the eye and mind of the public what the patras of his class proverbially call a stink 
that is had opened the eyes of the unwary to the movements of chelsea george and although he ceased to renew his appeals from the moment he heard of the notice of him his appearance was so accurately described that he was captured and committed to winchester jail as a rogue and vagabond the term of his imprisonment has escaped my recollection as there was no definite charge against him probably he was treated as an ordinary vagrant and suffered a calendar month in durance the silent system was not then in vogue there existed no barrier to mutual intercourse between prisoners with all its train of conscience-hardening tendencies i do not say this to intimate unqualified approval of the solitary system i merely state a fact which has an influence on my subject george had by this time scraped acquaintance with two fellow prisoners jew jem and Rusher bob the former in quod for pattering as a converted jew the latter for obtaining money under equally false though less theological pretenses liberated about one time this trio laid their heads together and the result was a plan to evangelize or rather victimize the inhabitants of the collier villages in staffordshire and the adjoining counties to accomplish this purpose some novel and imposing representation must be made both to lull suspicion and give the air of piety to the plan and disinterestedness to the agents by whom it was carried out george and his two fellow labourers were square-rigged that is well dressed something however must be done to colour up the scene and make the appeal for money touching unsuspected and successful just before the time to which i allude a missionary from sierra leone had visited the larger towns of the district in question while the inhabitants of the surrounding hamlets had been left in ignorance of the progress of missions in africa and the east george and his comrades thought it would be no great harm at once to enlighten and fleece this scattered and anxious population the plan was laid in a town of some size and facility they raised the wind to an extent adequate to some alteration of their appearances and got bills printed to set forth the merits of the cause the principal actor was jew jim a converted israelite with reverend before his name and half the letters of the alphabet behind it he had been in all the islands of the south sea on the coast of africa all over hindostan and half over the universe and after assuring the villagers of tory burn that he had carried the gospel to various dark and uninhabited parts of the earth he introduced russia bob an irishman who had however been in russia as his worthy and self-denying colleague and chelsea george as the first fruits of their ministry as one who had left houses and land wife and children and taken a long and hazardous voyage to show christians in england that their sable brethren children of one common parent were beginning to cast their idols to the moles and to the bats earnest was the gaze and breathless the expectation with which the poor deluded colliers of tory burn listened to this harangue and as argument always gains by illustration the orator pulled out a tremendous black doll bought for a flag fourpence of a retired rag merchant and dressed up in oriental style this jew jim assured the audience was an idol brought from murat in hindostan he presented it to chelsea george for his worship and embraces the convert indignantly repelled the insinuation pushed the idol from him spat in its face and cut as many capers as a dancing bear 
the trio at this stage of the performances began puckering talking privately to each other in murdered french dashed with a little irish after which the missionaries said that their convert who had only a few words of english would now profess his faith all was attention as chelsea george came forward he stroked his beard put his hand in his breast to keep down his dicky and turning his eyes upwards said i believe in Jesus tyst glory to his holy name this elicited some loud amens from an assemblage of nearly a thousand persons and catching the favourable opportunity a school of pals appointed for the purpose went round and made the collection out of the abundance of their credulity and piety the populace contributed sixteen pounds the whole scene was enacted out of doors and presented to a stranger very pleasing impressions i was present on the occasion but was not then aware of the dodge one verse of a hymn and the blessing pronounced was the signal for separation a little shaking of hands concluded the exhibition and every man went into his own house the missionary party and their pals took the train to manchester and as none of them were teetotalers the proceeds of their imposition did not last long they were just putting on their considering caps for the contrivance of another dodge when a gentleman in blue clothes came into the tap-room and informed jew jem that he was wanted it appears that jem had come out a prison a day or two before his comrades and being hard up had ill-used a lady taken her purse and appropriated its contents inquiries at first useless had now proved successful the missionary stood his trial and got an appointment on norfolk island russia bob took the cholera and died and george the convert was once more left alone to try his hand at something else of the low lodging-houses of london the patterers as a class usually frequent the low lodging-houses i shall therefore now proceed to give some further information touching the abodes of these people reminding the reader that i am treating of patterers in general and not of any particular order as the paper workers in applying the epithet low to these places i do but adopt the word commonly applied either in consequence of the small charge for lodgings or from the character of their frequenters to some of these domiciles however as will be shown the epithet in an opprobrious sense is unsuited an intelligent man familiar for some years with some low lodging-house life specified the quarters where those abodes are to be found and divided them into the following districts the correctness of which i caused to be ascertained drury lane district here the low lodging-houses are to be found principally in the coal-yard charles street king street parker street short's gardens great and little wild streets wild court lincoln court newton street star court gray's inn lane fox court charlotte buildings spread eagle court port paul lane bell court baldwin's gardens pheasant court union buildings laystall street cromer street fullwood's rents high holborn chancery lane church passage and the liberty of the rolls bloomsbury george street church lane queen street seven dials puckeridge street commonly called the holy land saffron hill and clerkenwell peter street cowcross turnmill street upper and lower whitecross street st helen's place playhouse yard checker alley field lane great saffron hill westminster 
old and new pie streets ann street orchard street perkins rents rochester row lambeth lambeth walk new cut marylebone york court east street st pancras brook street paddington chapel street union court shoreditch baker's rents cooper's gardens islington angel yard whitechapel spitalfields and so on george yard thrall street flower and dean street wentworth street keats street rosemary lane glasshouse yard st george's street lambeth street whitechapel high street borough mint street old kent street long lane bermondsey stratford high street limehouse hold commonly called hole detford mill lane church street gifford street there are other localities as in mile end ratcliffe highway shadwell wapping and lisson grove where low lodging houses are to be found but the places i have specified may be considered the districts of these hotels for the poor the worst places both as regards filth and immorality are in st giles's and wentworth street whitechapel the best are in orchard street westminster the thieves having left it in consequence of the recent alterations and gone to new pie street and in the mint borough in the last mentioned district indeed some of the proprietors of the lodging-houses have provided considerable libraries for the use of the inmates in the white horse mint street for instance there is a collection of five hundred volumes on all subjects bought recently and having been the contents of a circulating library advertised for sale in the weekly dispatch of lodging-houses for travellers the largest is known as the farmhouse in the mint it stands away from any thoroughfare and lying low is not seen until the visitor stands in the yard tradition rumour states that the house was at one time queen anne's and was previously cardinal wolsey's it was probably some official residence in this lodging-house are forty rooms two hundred beds single and double and accommodation for two hundred persons it contains three kitchens of which the largest at once kitchen and sitting-room holds four hundred people for whose uses in cooking there are two large fireplaces the other two kitchens are used only on sundays when one is a preaching-room in which missionaries from surrey chapel the rev james sherman's or some minister or gentleman of the neighbourhood officiates the other is a reading-room supplied with a few newspapers and other periodicals and thus i was told the religious and irreligious need not clash for the supply of these papers each person pays one penny every sunday morning and as the sum so collected is more than is required for the expenses of the reading-room the surplus is devoted to the help of the members in sickness under the management of the proprietor of the lodging-house who appears to possess the full confidence of his inmates the larger kitchen is detached from the sleeping apartments so that the lodgers are not annoyed with the odour of the cooking of fish and other food consumed by the poor for in lodging-houses every sojourner is his own cook the meal in most demand is tea usually with a herring or a piece of bacon the yard attached to the farmhouse in mint street covers an acre and a half in it is a washing-house built recently the yard itself being devoted to the drying of the clothes washed by the customers of the establishment 
at the entrance to this yard is a kind of porter's lodge in which reside the porter and his wife who act as the deputies of the lodging-house this place has been commended in sanitary reports for its cleanliness good order and care for decency and for a proper division of the sexes on sundays there is no charge for lodging to known customers but this is a general practice among the low lodging-houses of london in contrast to this house i could cite many instances but i need do no more in this place than refer to the statements which i shall proceed to give some of these were collected in the course of a former inquiry and are here given because the same state of things prevails now i was told by a trustworthy man that not long ago he was compelled to sleep in one of the lowest as regards cheapness of the lodging-houses all was dilapidation filth and noisomeness in the morning he drew for purposes of ablution a basin full of water from a pailful kept in the room in the water were floating alive or apparently alive bugs and lice which my informant was convinced had fallen from the ceiling shaken off by the tread of someone walking in the rickety apartments above ah sir said another man with whom i conversed on the subject if you had lived in the lodging-houses you would say what a vast difference a penny made it's often all in all it's fourpence in the mint-house you've been asking me about you've sleep and comfort there and i've seen people kneel down and say their prayers afore they went to bed not so many though two or three in a week at nights perhaps and it's wholesome and sweet enough there and large separate beds but in other places there's nothing to smell or feel but bugs when daylight comes in the summer and it's often as hot as hell or as cold as icicles in those places but in summer as soon as it's light if you turn down the coverlet you'll see them a-going at it like cheapside when it's throngest the poor man seemed to shudder at the recollection one informant counted for me one hundred and eighty of these low lodging-houses and it is reasonable to say that there are in london at least two hundred of them the average number of beds in each was computed for me by persons cognizant of such matters from long and often woeful experience at fifty-two single or twenty-four double beds where the house might be confined to single men or single women lodgers or to married or pretendedly married couples or to both classes in either case we may calculate the number that can be and generally are accommodated at fifty per house for children usually sleep with their parents and fifty may be the lowest computation we have thus no fewer than ten thousand persons domiciled more or less permanently in the low lodging-houses of london a number more than doubling the population of many a parliamentary borough the proprietors of these lodging-houses mostly have been i am assured vagrants or to use the civiler and commoner word travellers themselves and therefore sojourners on all necessary occasions in such places in four cases out of five i believe this to be the case the proprietors have raised capital sufficient to start with sometimes by gambling at races sometimes by what i have often and very vaguely heard described as a run of luck and sometimes i am assured by the proceeds of direct robbery a few of the proprietors may be classed as capitalists one of them who has a country house in hampstead has six lodging-houses in or about thrall street whitechapel he looks in at each house every saturday and calls his deputies 
for he has a deputy in each house, to account. He often instigates a stringent check. He gives a poor fellow money to go and lodge in one of his houses, and report the number present. Sometimes the person so sent meets with the laconic repulse, full, and woe to the deputy if his returns do not evince this fullness. Perhaps one in every fifteen of the low lodging houses in town is also a beer shop, very commonly so in the country. To start a low lodging house is not a very costly matter. Furniture, which will not be saleable in the ordinary course of auction, or of any traffic, is bought by a lodging house starter. A man possessed of some money who took an interest in a bricklayer purchased for twenty pounds when the smallpox hospital by king's cross was pulled down a sufficiency of furniture for four lodging houses in which he started the man in question none others would buy this furniture from a dread of infection it was the same at marlborough house peckham after the cholera had broken out there the furniture was sold to a lodging housekeeper at ninepence each article big and little sir i was told a penny pot and a bedstead all the same each ninepence nobody else would buy to about three-fourths of the low lodging houses of london are deputies these are the conductors or managers of the establishment and are men or women and not unfrequently a married or proclaimed a married couple and about in equal proportion these deputies are paid from seven shillings to fifteen shillings a week each according to the extent of their supervision their lodging always and sometimes their board being at the cost of the master according to the character of the lodging-house the deputies are civil and decent or roguish and insolent their duty is not only that of general superintendence but in some of the houses of a nocturnal inspection of the sleeping-rooms the deputy's business generally keeping him up all night at the better conducted houses strangers are not admitted after twelve at night in others there is no limitation as to hours the rent of the low lodging houses varies i am informed from eight shillings to twenty shillings a week the payment being for the most part weekly the taxes and rates being of course additional it is rarely that the landlord or his agent can be induced to expend any money in repairs the wear and tear of the floors and so on from the congregating together of so many human beings being excessive this expenditure in consequence falls upon the tenant some of the lodging-houses present no appearance differing from that of ordinary houses except perhaps that their exterior is dirtier some of the older houses have long flat windows on the ground floor in which there is rather more paper or other substitutes than glass the windows there sir remarked one man are not to let the light in but to keep the cold out in the abodes in question there seems to have become tacitly established an arrangement as to what character of lodgers shall resort thither the thieves the prostitutes and the better class of street sellers or traders usually resorting to the houses where they will meet the same class of persons the patterers reside chiefly in westminster and whitechapel some of the lodging-houses are of the worst class of low brothels and some may even be described as brothels for children on many of the houses is a rude sign lodgings for travellers threepence a night boiling water always ready or the same intimation may be painted on a window shutter where a shutter is in existence a few of the better order of these housekeepers post up small bills 
inviting the attention of travellers by laudations of the cleanliness good beds abundant water and gas all night to be met with the same parties also give address cards to travellers who can recommend one another the beds are of flock and as regards the mere washing of the rug sheet and blanket which constitute the bed furniture are in better order than they were a few years back for the visitations of the cholera alarmed even the reckless class of vagrants and those whose avocations relate to vagrants in perhaps a tenth of the low lodging-houses of london a family may have a room to themselves with the use of the kitchen at so much a week generally two shillings and sixpence for a couple without family and three shillings and sixpence where there are children to let out beds by the night is however the general rule the illustration presented this week is of a place in fox court gray's inn lane long notorious as a thieves house but now far less frequented on the visit a few months back of an informant who declined staying there a number of boys were lying on the floor gambling with marbles and halfpennies and indulging in savage or unmeaning blasphemy one of the lads jumped up and murmuring something that it wouldn't do to be idle any longer induced a woman to let him have a halfpenny for a stall that is as a pretext with which to enter a shop for the purpose of stealing the display of the coin forming an excuse for his entrance on the same occasion a man walked into the kitchen and coolly pulled from underneath the back of his smock-frock a large flat piece of bacon for which he wanted a customer it would be sold at a fourth of its value i am assured that the average takings of lodging-house keepers may be estimated at seventeen shillings and sixpence a night not to say twenty shillings but i adopt the lower calculation this gives a weekly payment by the struggling poor the knavish and the outcast of one thousand guineas weekly or fifty-two thousand guineas in the year besides the rent and taxes the principal expenditure of the lodging-house proprietors is for coals and gas in some of the better houses blacking brushes and razors are supplied without charge to the lodgers also pen and ink soap and almost always a newspaper for the meals of the frequenters salt is supplied gratuitously and sometimes but far less frequently pepper also never vinegar or mustard sometimes a halfpenny is charged for the use of a razor and the necessary shaving apparatus in one house in kent street the following distich adorns the mantelpiece to save a journey up the town a razor lent here for a brown but if you think the price too high i beg you won't the razor try in some places a charge of a halfpenny is made for hot water but that is very rarely the case strong drink is admitted at almost any hour in the majority of the houses and the deputy is generally ready to bring it but little is consumed in the houses those addicted to the use or abuse of intoxicating liquors preferring the tap-room or the beer-shop end of section forty two